This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 56 The Gurning Man of Scotland Scotland is known for its vast history and haunting past. From tales of ghost children to vampires that stalk the city streets at night, it is no stranger to the paranormal. However, that is just a fraction of the terrifying tales to originate in the country. Some of these stories are actually more sinister and darker in nature. The tale of the Gurning Man of Scotland is one of them. The early morning hours were quickly approaching, and Sophie and Grace had found themselves well beyond their normal limit. The party had also started to die down, so it was the perfect opportunity to take their leave. They stumbled out of the door into the cool, dark night. The air was crisp, which was a relief from the mix of stale cigarettes and the sweet yet salty scent of sweat that polluted the air. The streets of Glasgow were well lit by the light of the moon that illuminated the abyss of blackness of the night sky. The two teenage girls walked hand in hand, making sure to keep the other upright. The cool night helped provide the energy they needed to make the journey home. As they slowly stumbled down the path that they had taken many nights previously, they could feel the slight hint of tension and dread in the air. With each step, it seemed to intensify. They assumed it was because they had drank too much that night and were experiencing the intense effects of the alcohol. Grace looked over at Sophie, whose face was two shades lighter than normal and covered in a thin layer of sweat, and starts laughing. Sophie did not find that very amusing and let out a disgusted sigh. The two continued their journey, making small talk and laughing amongst each other while admiring the parked cars along the street. A little further ahead of them, they spotted a strange figure standing below a street lamp. 
The two girls slowly and cautiously continued walking, making sure to stick to the opposite side of the street. As they made their way closer, they could see that the man appeared to be older, at least 50 years old or more. He was very thin, nearly skin and bones. He also wore a tight black leotard. The man appeared to be rocking back and forth, almost nervously and agitated. It wasn't uncommon to spot the occasional drunk person stumbling home from a pub, but this particular man was different. The unsettling feeling of panic overtook the girls as they picked up their pace and walked past him. Out of the corner of her eye, Grace glanced back at the man. What she saw chilled her to her core. The man's face was contorted in such a way that it was nothing like anything she had ever seen. He then smiled a grimacing and piercing smile and started walking behind them. He grunted and huffed and continued to shake nervously as he scuffed his feet and his arms and legs rocked back and forth, almost as if he were broken. By this time, panic had turned to terror. The girl started running and screaming for help. Their cries echoed through the empty streets and were met with no reply. The sounds of shuffling footsteps could still be heard behind them. In a matter of seconds, they had reached the end of the street. They stopped for a moment to catch their breath and checked behind them to see how close the man was. However, when they looked back, he was nowhere to be found. This frightened them even more. There was no way he could have just disappeared into thin air. They looked around, but there was no cover for the man to hide and nowhere else for him to go. The reality of it was, he had in fact vanished. Baffled and shaken by the encounter, they quickly made their way home, making sure to avoid any stops and any unlit streets going further. They ended up making it home safely and never encountered the man again. A short while later, Isla Wilson and her husband Stuart had just finished off the last of their bottle of milk with dinner. After eating, Isla cleaned up while Stuart finished his tea. She took the bottle, along with the other bottles they had used, and went to set them out for collection the next morning. While setting them out, she spotted a strange, dark figure of a man across the street. He shuffled from side to side, stumbling, and nearly falling multiple times. She watched as the man continued to act very out of character. Her immediate thought was that he was most likely drunk 
However, she quickly determined that was not the case. She found the situation quite worrisome and decided to call for her husband. As soon as she looked back, he was gone without a trace. Stuart came racing to the door, panting and out of breath. She told him about the man across the street and her concern for their safety. One thing she could not explain was the fact that he was there one moment and gone the next. Stuart checked the street but found nothing or no one else there. The two then returned to their home, locking the doors behind them. A few months passed without any additional encounters, till one night in April of 1977. Helen Reed had just finished her shift at the Crow Tavern. It was a rainy night, and she had forgotten her umbrella that afternoon. She grabbed a newspaper before leaving and draped it over her head to shield the harsh drops. The street was dimly lit, and the sound of music and chatter from the pub could still be heard as she quickly ran in the opposite direction. The sound slowly faded as she distanced herself from it. Rain continued to pour down on her, soaking the newspaper, turning it to something that would be better suited to use as paper mache. Frustrated, she threw it to the ground and slowed her pace. She couldn't outrun the rain. The Cross Hill area was quiet and peaceful, despite the downpour. It was nights like that that she wished she could be inside, dry, and sipping a cup of tea while watching the rain and listening to the drops as they splashed against the city streets. She cursed at herself for not bringing an umbrella. However, when she left, it was a cool, sunny day. She had no idea it was going to rain that day. Despite her frustration, she continued the walk home. She had only a couple of blocks left before she would reach her flat. Keeping a steady pace, she wiped the water from her eyes and continued onward. The street lamps were few and far between, leaving the streets dark and eerie. As she looked straight ahead of her, she noticed a strange man in the middle of the street. This caught her off guard. Why would a man be standing in the middle of the street during a downpour? She called ahead. Hey, you alright? The man did not reply. She continued walking towards him. With each step, more and more of the man's figure could be seen. He stood there, dressed in black, writhing and rubbing his hands and arms against his chest and stomach. He seemed to shake as if he were losing his balance, but never did. She cautiously approached him, maintaining her distance from the strange man as he continued looking in her direction. Once she was close enough to see his face, her stomach dropped and fear set in. 
She could feel goosebumps forming all over her body. She could not believe what she was seeing. The man stared back at her. His face was deformed and grotesque. He grunted and snarled at her. The demonic look then turned to a terrifying glare as he opened his mouth, exposing his crooked and jagged teeth, and then lunged toward her. She could not move. She stood there in terror, paralyzed by fear. She clenched her fist so tightly she could feel her fingernails piercing her palms. Closing her eyes as tightly as she could, she embraced the impending doom she was about to experience. After a moment, she slowly opened them, and the man was gone. In shock, she stood there for several minutes, attempting to make sense of what she had just witnessed. She did not believe in magic or ghosts, or anything paranormal. However, she had began to question things at that point. She also questioned her own sanity. How could someone disappear so quickly? Despite the encounter feeling like it had lasted a lifetime, it had merely been a few seconds. It didn't add up. When she finally worked up the courage to continue walking, she made sure to make haste and walked the remaining block home. When she arrived inside, she locked her door and sealed all her windows, securing them shut. She didn't sleep much that night. Every time she would dream, she would see that otherworldly man's face staring back at her. The months came and went, and winter had finally set in. Glasgow doesn't get much snowfall, but that night the snow had been falling for a few hours. It was just enough to lightly coat the streets. Lorna Campbell and her two children, Margaret and Emma, watched in awe out the large window of their semi-detached sandstone villa that faced Cross Hill Road. Lorna's husband, Alistair, had just added enough wood to the fireplace to last until the morning as he called for the children to prepare for bed. The family then settled in for the night. Alistair was the last to go to bed, as his nightly routine consisted of ensuring all the doors and windows were locked and secured. The heat from the fireplace warmed the home as the family slept soundly in their beds, safe and sheltered from the cold winter night. The hours came and went, and night turned to early morning. A sudden chill caused Lorna to stir awake. She quickly dozed off back to sleep when she was once again awakened by the sound of snarled breathing and grunting. The sound was similar to winded snoring and the struggle to breathe. 
The sound slowly became louder and more harsh and erratic. This fully awakened Lorna. She immediately assumed her husband was snoring and looked over at him, only to find him sound asleep and quiet. After the grogginess of freshly waking from a deep sleep started to wear off, she was finally able to look around the room. Her eyes surveyed the perimeter of the room, starting in the direction of her bedroom door. To her right. As she made her way to the foot of the bed, she spotted a darkened mass that seemed to be huddled on her floor. Lorna's breathing increased as she slowly sat up in the bed. As she did so, the chill in the room returned, causing the hair on the back of her neck to stand on its end. All of a sudden, the mass at the end of the bed began to move and reveal itself. Lorna watched as what appeared to be a very tall, pale and thin man slowly stand up. The man appeared to be roughly 50 years old and wore all black. His body nearly disappeared into the darkness, but she could still make out his features as the moonlight provided just enough lighting to be able to see him. The man shook and trembled and stood writhing, rubbing his arms and hands against his chest as if in agonizing pain. He continued to breathe garbled breaths as he stared at her. The man then slowly began to lean forward, causing Lorna to become paralyzed by fear. Her breaths became faster and more shallow and she sat there staring back at him. Before she knew it, the man's face was within inches of her own. He then smiled a most terrifyingly grimacing smile that caused her to lose her breath. She then started gasping for air, still paralyzed, as he let out a blood-curdling scream that echoed throughout the otherwise deathly quiet house. Lorna was finally able to free herself from the paralysis and violently shook Alistair awake. He immediately jumped out of bed, punching the light switch to turn on the lights. He was gone. Lorna burst into tears and told him what had happened. Frightened and alarmed by Lorna's claims, he quickly checked the room and the rest of the house. He knew he had checked all the locks and windows. There was no way anyone could have gotten in or out. And just as he thought, they were all still secured. When he returned to Lorna, still in bed and sobbing, he told her that there was no one there. He spent a while calming her down, as the two never went back to sleep that night. The following day, Lorna urged Alistair to file a police report. Despite the terror she experienced that night, 
Lorna never saw the man again. Over the course of a several year span between 1976 and 1979, numerous reports were made, all detailing similar events. Additionally, all of the victims in each incident were all women, and each described the man they saw the same way. It was suggested that the man witnessed may have been an intruder or a reckless stalker in the streets. However, there was never any explanation as to how the man was able to disappear without a trace. No additional details of the Gurning Man were ever provided or uncovered. To this day, each report made regarding the Gurning Man remained questionable at best. No one, outside of those that experienced it, will ever know for sure what happened. Regardless, the Gurning Man of Scotland will forever remain one of Glasgow's most chilling tales. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts, I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, an ad break. Hello, my name is Todd Purse. I'm a full-time cartoonist and creative, and I'm here to tell you about my podcast, The Create Magic Pod. This is a daily dose of weird that's about five minutes of me talking about what I was thinking when making the artwork I make every day and post over on Instagram my website. If you need a little bit of inspiration or just want to hear some random weird stuff about everything from the paranormal to the weather, then this might be the pod for you. You can check it out at my website, createmagicstudios.com, as well as my shop and Patreon and all kinds of other stuff. Please reach out if you want to work on some creative fun. I am always open to new projects. Thanks again for checking this out, and I hope you all have the best day. Bye. And now, the debrief. Dude, this one is actually scary. Do you think so? This is... Yeah, Good. it is to me. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I actually. I mean, I spent. I spent a lot of time trying to make this one a little bit more, a little more terrifying because, like, the story behind it is literally terrifying. Yeah, I mean, the encounters are just so they're creepy on like a not even on like a supernatural level, but like that just that that encounter with some very strange stranger in the dark yeah you know what i mean like it's it's creepy it's especially a lot of them are women that's that's exactly what i was about to say no every single encounter was a woman yeah like this thing preyed on women yeah like that to me is one of the most terrifying aspects of the whole thing yeah i mean there's that you know I don't want to say trope because it really is a thing that women deal with constantly, but that idea of like running into a potentially dangerous man in, you know, in these isolated situations is terrifying without the like creepy physical features. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that alone right there is enough to, you know, enough to 
terrify i mean terrify anyone especially like being that this thing was preying on these well it it didn't matter like age or anything but preyed on these women like and their most vulnerable states too the same you know um, like have a few drinks at the bar and they're a little bit tipsy and right, on their walk home and an older lady like setting out like bottles of milk for you know collection yeah. or um that's the most english reports. shit i've ever heard in my life <laughs> <laughs> there are also multiple reports of it actually occurring in homes too yeah that's that last story takes it up a notch it right. happening in a bedroom yes is I, yeah, I waited. I waited purposely till last to tell that one because yeah, yeah, that one. That one to me is it's a uh, it's a little nerve wracking for sure. Yeah, and that one was sort of like an amalgam of accounts, right? That you'd read. Yeah, no, was that, that was the one? yeah, yeah. That was there were uh, there there were a couple notable encounters, and I mean if I mean if you you know if you search the Gurning Man of Glasgow. You know, you're going to yeah. stumble upon three specific stories um, when in actuality, just to let you, just to clarify, between 1976 and 1979, there were actually 17 reports Wow, of this man. 11 of them happened in the city streets at night. Six of them happened inside homes of people in uh, Cross Hill. And it all happened between the hours of 9 p.m. and 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, man. And of course, like we said, only ever seen by females. Yeah, that's odd. That's very odd. Maybe it's just like playing on that fear factor, you know? The Right. You often hear the idea of these like... Um, interdimensional beings or ultra terrestrial beings that sort of feed off of fear. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's, maybe that explains the like form it took and the, the victimology. Yeah. That's actually uh, one of the talking points that I I wanted to get to when we get to kind of theories and things like that. We'll, we'll kind of, uh, we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that aspect of it, but I agree fully. You know, I think it was something that literally preyed on the fear, the vulnerability, um, you know, like the, 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 uh, honestly, like in your most weakest state, you know, like what better way to draw energy and, and gain, like gain that, uh, I don't want to say like, right. Yeah. Power that, you know, give it life, whatever else. Right. Yeah. Fuel it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So, it is super creepy, but I'm kind of, like, thrown off by the physical description. Because it, in, like, a less creepy setting, I feel like it could come off almost goofy. Like, this, um... I, I, at I first I thought you. of it as, yeah. like, sort of like a drunk interpretive dancer. <laughs> 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 Never yeah, thought of that, I guess. But in the first account, they talk about it. It's wearing like it's a black, black leotard. leotard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had that image in my head the whole time. That's awesome, this, actually. Like, yeah. No, yeah, I, just the, this just drunk interpretive dancer with like maximum resting bitch face. Yeah, but this you also have to like <laughs> take into consideration 
this guy at the time was described as being in late 40s to 50s, to 50s like right. mid yeah. mid 50s, right? Um, which <laughs> I don't, now all I have in my head is the picture of this like this really lanky, skinny, bony 50 year old man yeah. just like out there just twerking his shit. Yeah, this like absolutely hammered Larry David in a black <laughs> leotard, just like making nasty faces and rubbing his own chest. You know you want it. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, no, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you take away the creepy circumstances, it's kind of goofy. The yeah. But yeah. you can't take away the creepy circumstances, you, right? Because that's the whole right. damn thing. That's the whole, like, that's the whole premise behind this, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, but given, you know, maybe an entirely different situation. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I would pay yeah. to see that, actually. I probably would, too. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like, if it was actually Larry David. Yeah. You know, going out to a pub <laughs> yeah. and watching some 50-year-old man, like, uh, you know, do, yeah. do his thing. Whatever. Uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't matter. Um, okay, yeah. so uh, another another note that I that I wanted to get to, like the sort of the key to what made this like not just a weird drunk guy was the vanishing, right? Like yeah, it always was, vanished in that in was a time period that was unexplainable. Yeah, like it was within a matter of seconds, and yeah. like uh, the story of uh, uh, who was it? Was it Isla? Um, she she's taking out like the, the milk bottles right yeah and she turns literally for a split second to call for um for her husband uh for Stuart, and then turns back and the guy is completely nowhere to be seen yeah. it's not like she sees That's- him like jogging in the opposite direction all like no. you know like lead-footedly or something like no like she there's no one Stuart even goes out like checks the area and yeah. no one is to be found like no you know nowhere like and also the thing about a lot of these was they were they happened to be under like street lamps right right like well lit areas even at least semi well lit sure. and where there were no there was no cover like no you know no cover or anything and this particular one he was standing in between um a parked car and a van which wasn't spe- yeah. specified in the story, but it wasn't really worth it. Uh, but he was staying between a parked car and a van. So, I mean, he would have had to, like, move out between that and, like, make his way through the, either through the street or um, the, you know, the sidewalk or at least, like, off street, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, there was nowhere that these people could have gone. And even most notable, like in the one where um, he's in the house and all the doors and the windows were secured, you know, tightly. And Alistair had made sure of that. So, yeah, which is really weird. Yeah, that reminded me of Charter House. The thing like getting into the house despite the fact that it's all locked up and then getting back out somehow. Mm Mm-hmm. Although it didn't, I don't think it made its way through, like, you know, the underside of the door or anything. But who knows? Maybe. So creepy. Um, No, and, like, the vanishing, the, like, Batman move is, like, the creepiest of creepy moves. Right? That's, like, the... It it almost, like, gaslights the experiencer. 
Like yeah. it makes them think like, did I actually just see that? You know, like they start to question themselves even. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, which I think any rational sane person would do. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So yeah, it's, it, it it's very, it's very off putting for sure. And the thing with the being under streetlights, it's always like sort of displaying itself to to the people. Like that is another thing that I think goes on in the column of like this being some kind of like fear eater. Exactly. You know. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's it's putting itself on display, welcoming yep. welcoming like you know passersby or whatever else. Yeah, so they could literally have to endure. Whatever it is that it's doing. Yeah. See, that second encounter, the one with the the very English woman putting her milk bottles out. Yeah. It, like, that one to me, up until the vanishing, felt like she just saw a weird drunk guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I mean, that happens all the time, right? You no, see, it, when you see someone who's hammered and you're completely sober, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah, that guy? I mean, especially, you know, walking home from pubs at, uh, yep. you know, early hours, like, in the night yep. or the morning, whatever you want to refer to it. Like, yeah, late hours of the night, yep. early morning, whatever. But then the vanishing is, that it, it sets there's it apart, no way to right? explain it. Exactly. Yeah. And her husband went and like looked behind the cars he was between and all that. He like searched the area. Yeah, yeah. After I mean, he, and he never searched found thoroughly and never found anything. Okay. Yep. Because uh, if if not for that, even you could say like she turned to yell for him and maybe he just stepped behind the van. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. But like no, he he actually went out. He checked. He checked everywhere. Like yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't just one of those like haha you know tricks on you sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was kind of a weird one. That was a very short, you know, a very kind of short, abrupt encounter. Yeah. Because really, I mean, she just saw him. Like, he's out there acting a little strange, scuffling, you know, shuffling from side to side. Like, you know, being... Weird. Weird. Right. Yeah, just yeah. weird. Like, that's the best way yep. to put it. Yeah, just being weird. Um, You know, and like, she quickly realizes, no, he's not just some, like... You know, drunk an asshole like he's you know he's actually there. There's something going on here. Yeah. See, and in situations like this, I tend to trust the intuition of women. Oh yeah, like for sure. Um, I think of it like the way the Supreme Court defined pornography, right? Which is like, I don't know what it is, but I know, but I recognize it when I see it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like, if she felt like something was off. I, I believe something was probably off. I, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, obviously, I mean, you see someone, especially like someone just kind of looking back at you and acting strangely, like that's enough to kind of worry anyone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, even like, as a grown man, I've been off put by people like, you know, I'm just walking down the sidewalk and I see someone coming the opposite direction. Yeah, I've definitely changed sides of the road to avoid oh, yeah, same, crossing paths same. with someone that that freaks me out. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a being a good judge of character is I think, uh, you know, it's it's one of those skills or traits that, uh, you know, I think we I think you know most people develop pretty pretty well 
on it's an evolutionary advantage right oh, to yeah, be able to spot sure. danger ahead of time it's like uh, intuition i think is probably a big part of why human beings survived <laughs> oh yeah without a doubt and yeah. without <laughs> we'd be uh I think we'd be a lot uh, a lot less further ahead than we are right now. Yeah, I mean, imagine 7 billion people just Mr. Magooing their way through life. <laughs> like, that would not work out well. Right, yeah, for sure. Okay, so the third encounter that you talked about. Yes. I had a, a couple notes. This was the one with the, the woman walking in the rain. Yeah, she had just left. Right. She had just basically had gotten ended her shift at uh, at the local local pub or the uh, Crow's Tavern, I believe, is what it was. There, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and of course, she walks out, and it's raining because why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Um, and doesn't have an umbrella because why wouldn't she? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it's kind of like that situation. Like she's already in. Like you know, it kind of sucks, right? Yeah. On that note, I gotta say I loved the paper mache line. Yeah, that you wrote. that's that's one yeah. of my one of my favorite uh, parts. Too. Yeah, basically better suited for paper mache, right? Yeah, because in it, my notes I put paper mache line ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like think about it though, like sopping wet newspaper that's like starting to yeah. crumble, and like yep. you know, like yeah, it, that was immediately my like my go to was like that would be. You know, that would be something like you would use for paper mache, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right. It was great. Another note on that, I'm I'm firmly of the opinion that no one should run in the rain. <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything less dignified I, than watching an adult try to run in the rain. I mean... The, like, you're gonna get wet. I was gonna Just say. keep your dignity exactly. and walk. Right, yes. It, it's not <laughs> yeah. gonna change anything. In fact, exactly. like, you're gonna be hitting those raindrops more dead on. Harder. Like, right, yes. exactly. And more of them. It's not gonna help. <laughs> yeah. It's just gonna and make that, matters worse. I was, like, looking out my living room window today actually it stormed a lot today and i watched this person in the church across the street i watched this person get out of their car it was a grown man probably in his 50s or 60s and he's just like shuffle running down the sidewalk in the rain and i'm like you look you just look so undignified i mean like i get it like you want to you want to get in there quick like you want to get out of the rain as fast you know as fast as possible But in the end, you're going to end up most likely more wet if you would have yep. just like taken your time, you know, gotten there. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I, like I, I I'm not going to do the science. I'm sure there's like there's some yeah. like scientific thing that or like a MythBusters episode that debunks it or something. I'm sure. But regardless, right? I think even if you got more wet walking, just like keep your self respect <laughs> and walk, <laughs> like. Yeah, to be that's, like that's fair. That's fair. It just it always looks so silly to me. Um, but yeah, so I had a note on this one because there's a really interesting part where the the experiencer describes the the Gurning man as looking constantly off balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he's like, always like shuffling or like. So yeah. the way that I picture this, right, is think of a zombie. Right, the way that like you would you would imagine a zombie, like I'm thinking like Night of the Living Dead, like they're coming for you, for you, Barbara zombies, right? Yeah. So like I think of them as like shuffling and like 
you know, scuffing their feet and almost tripping over them and like shaking, yeah. you know, shaking, shaking like nervously and violently, like very agitated, uh, um, right. like actions. Okay. And so that's what I immediately see that this man is doing. Like, and that's what a lot of the descriptions of it were. Was like yeah. he was like shaking like he the one of the biggest descriptions and I think like the coolest descriptions was as if he were broken. And wow. I noted that in the story. Yeah. Um, you know, and I I really like that description of it because like for me that like it it almost like changes what my immediate assumption of it to yeah. something more, you know, like vastly different. And like, yeah, more off-putting for right, sure. More um, theatrical, if you will. Yeah, there's almost like an uncanny valley element to it, right? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure exactly what's wrong, but something is wrong. Something, yeah, yeah. You can tell yeah. something is wrong with this person. Yeah, and that's like that second story. That's why, like, her immediate assumption. Yeah, this is like some pissed or smashed like guy. But no, sure. like there's there's something wrong after she like sat and watched him. Yeah. See the constantly off balance thing, like she said it looked like he was about to fall constantly, but never did. Right. Right? Yeah. So like I got to thinking another on the interdimensional thing is like, could this be like the effects of being on a different on a in a different dimension? You know what I mean? Like Yeah, no. Ah, yes. We will you know get to I mean? the theories. We will get to the yeah. theories because you are right on point with especially one of my favorites. I'm, I'm looking before we to get that. there. Before yeah. we get there, I just want to lay out a couple more facts, and I also have yeah, that's fine. some some reports of incidents that actually happened in 2017. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um, before we move on to that, another note from this third encounter is like. She dreamt of him afterwards. Yeah. Which is interesting. I didn't hear much about that in the other accounts. Yeah. But like that kind of goes hand in hand because a lot of the a lot of the people who experienced this in their homes, it was like very sleep paralysis like. You know? Man, you were skipping it. So like I'm just saying, like, the dreaming <laughs> connects to that, right? No, I that dig she, it. Like, no, you're, she you're right dreams there. About him. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm glad you're able to pick that up because, like I said, yeah. that's that's something we're gonna we're gonna dive into, and I'm I'm stoked because obviously we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Um, so I have I yeah, have questions ahead. about the the fourth. So were they were was the couple sleeping in a second story bedroom? So their home, yes, it was a semi-detached, two-story sandstone villa. Okay. Because that's a lot creepier if they were on the second story and they had that, she had that encounter. Right, exactly. A a lot creepier. Now, something to note here, since we're talking about this one. No one else heard this thing shriek and scream. Yes. Yeah. Only she did. It was only was until she shook, like violently shook Alistair awake that he woke up and immediately like his instinct was to get up. He literally slammed his fist on the light switch. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. dude, like if you're here, woke up in the middle of the night, like something that crazy, you're going to yeah. be like, what the hell is going on? Like, 
yeah there's yeah. something something happening you know like that was his immediate thing he hopped out of bed punched the light switch and he's like looking around like obviously he's yeah. protecting his wife you yeah. know but yeah. he never heard any of that neither see, did that, yeah. the children that's very strange that see the that one felt a lot like sleep paralysis to me because like it and that goes towards sleep paralysis too if she's the only one who experienced it you know what i mean i i see exactly what you're saying right yep yeah that uh, because i've or obviously i've heard a ton of sleep paralysis stories and like but we've also talked about paranormal incidents and i know that we'll 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 get there as we talk about that but where it's one experiencer yep you know where it's aimed at them specifically exactly so keep that in mind keep that in mind let's pause there on uh, on that at least that part of the discussion um but keep that in mind right another thing i realized along the way through the stories was it seems to only visit people one time correct it's never a recurring yep incident yeah that was that was also something to know too to me that takes like a haunting out of the picture I would have you know to what agree. I mean? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's... But... It's just so isolated. I, it is. It really is. I know. I it, see... It makes it feel like it's something... At, right. It, feel, it makes it feel like it's something independently moving, you know, about from person to person, from place to place. It makes it feel more like a creature and less like a... Like a spirit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Because when you think of spirits, you think of something like tied to a space or tied to, I don't know, just tied. Like, they're stuck somewhere or sometime, right? Whether your idea of a spirit is like, a, you know, the soul of a dead human or whether it's like you get into like stone tape theory and stuff where yeah. these this energy is stuck in a loop. Like, I always think stuck with hauntings. Yeah, like I, the, I agree. the spirit is just as trapped as the people, if not more. Mm. So this doesn't feel like that at all to me because it's so such isolated incidents. Yeah, I, 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 again, I know exactly what you're saying, and I, I agree with you. Um, but I'm not gonna give my final, my final say here. So were there any police reports? There were a lot of police, a lot of. Uh, a lot of incidents, especially the home incidents, where police were actually called and called to the scene, uh, but never found or seen anyone, of course. Right. Um, but yeah, multiple times the police were said to be involved. I wondered if there was any like press coverage or anything at the time, because yeah. this would be a fairly easy thing for some like drunk bros to to mimic you know what i mean to like oh yes to pick up on and hoax it oh i agree i agree and i could definitely see some drunk bros wanting to like oh let's be a gurning man on the way home well see that's my argument when we get into the 2017 incidents but i'm gonna blow your mind when we get there okay yeah so um 
Any? Do you have any more comments on any of at least any of the encounters that we've discussed within the story? No, let's hear what you got. I want to. I want to hear some other stuff for sure. Awesome. All right. Um. So first of all, like we talked about on multiple occasions, the police were called. However, there when they have obviously checked out the scene, everything like that, they arrived. There were no incidents of any break-in, forced entry, um, traces of anyone being there. No you know, evidence. First of all, no evidence. Nothing. Okay. It was all basically just taken for what it was, right? Right. Just experience or accounts. Right. Additionally... Some of the the events that these women had experienced were so traumatizing. Um, there were a couple that actually picked up and moved out of the area in hopes that they wouldn't be followed. Wow. Now, the other thing is in 1979, every... There were no, I guess, there were no additional reports uh, after 1979. Uh, I forget, maybe like mid-year, whatever it was. No additional mm-hmm. reports of the Gurning Man were ever made till 2017. Okay. So, till 2017. So, from 1979 till 2017, we're talking almost 40 years. Yeah, 38 years. You know, no additional reports were ever made. Right. So, let's discuss the other reports. Yeah, so were the 2017 ones then from the same area? Well, so the first incident happened uh, near Queens Park. Queens Park is right outside of Cross uh, Cross Hill. Okay. Literally, if you're standing at Cross Hill Road, you can see Queens Park. Okay. All right. So you want to ask their same area? They're basically the same area. Yeah, right. That is. So, uh, there was actually, this one was a single girl. I won't get into the next one. So there was a single girl that was walking home for her friend's house and it was late, late at night, you know, I think it was like roughly 11, 11 o'clock, 12 AM or so. Um, so on our way to Queens park, uh, which is near cross Hill, she noticed the man was standing, uh, basically standing beside the road and he was like standing one to next to one of the parked cars. Um, She described the man as being spindly. Uh, as a spindly old man wearing tight-fitting dark clothes. Okay. So very, you know, very similar to previous reports. He rocked yeah. back and forth in a demented way. Yep. Um as she approached the man, she began to, uh, he began to grunt and snort loudly and started Check. flailing his arms about. Yep. And so, as uh, at that point, she started running and never looked back. Although she could hear basically what sounded like footsteps behind her uh, that seemed to follow her for a period of time. Um, and But she never looked back at that point. So we don't know if he just disappeared without a trace. But she also uh, later reported that the man appeared to be between 70 and 90 years old. Okay. Think about the uh, timing. Yeah, yeah. I did immediately. Yeah. So let's let's just talk about this before we get in the next one. Yeah. Roughly late forties to early fifties. Now almost forty years later, he's between seventies and nineties. Yeah, that that's 
that tracks. Exactly. That to me, like, was the most chilling part about this is like, it's almost like dead, dead on what this could possibly be. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's weird. That's very weird. Like, so yeah, that's that. Yeah, to I me mean, was, the timing is perfect. Yep, exactly, exactly. The thing is that, like, it's weird to think of like a. If you're thinking of it as the sort of the supernatural being, it's weird to think of it like aging like a person. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you wouldn't think of like, especially if this is otherworldly. Yeah. If this is ghostly ghastly whatever interdimensional Um, interdimensional like you wouldn't really think of like the time difference between these occurrences as this thing would be aging along with it right right like to yeah that's it just it's weird like that's not what you would immediately expect but like timing wise it completely adds up which is yeah that's why it's so creepy because There's like this, um, there's like this imbalance in my head, this cognitive dissonance going on. Like it right, makes exactly. sense, but yeah. it doesn't make any fucking sense. Exactly. I, I, I'm right there with you on that too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. All right. So the other incident was actually in Queens Park. Okay. Um, it was of course late one evening. I think it was like around one, one or two a.m. A group of teenage girls were in the park drinking when they began, uh, one of the girls began to hear a strange noise. Like, it's kind of like a rustling coming from, you know, from, from up ahead or somewhere nearby. So, she spots someone basically standing beneath a large tree. Okay. Instantly, I mean, this girl is terrified. You know, obviously, like, they're out there by themselves. Like, again, in a very vulnerable state, like, they're out there hanging out, like, having some Drinking. drinks as young teenage girls in the area at the time would have been. Like, you know, like, sure. it's not a, not a, you know, not a stretch from normal. Right. Sure. Um, so basically, at that point, uh, one of the girls shined the like basically like the flashlight from her phone you know yeah uh at toward the area that the, she said that like she saw the figure coming from and at that point all of the girls in this group and i i was i'm not sure exactly how many were in the group but uh, they didn't really specify but all of the girls in this group saw a man standing there with a contorted face and basically writhing, like rubbing his hands and his arms like yeah. against his chest and his stomach, like and that like really like you know, kind of sickly sickly yeah. state, right? Um, they basically screamed, ran away, and one turned to see if the man was following him, uh following them, and he to their surprise, he had completely vanished. He wasn't anywhere around uh, where they were. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that perfectly aligns. Yeah, obviously. I mean that's that's dead on from the original encounters, right? But this time, seen by, you know, I'm picturing more than three, less than yeah, ten, exactly. Yeah, girls, maybe five or six, um, maybe you know, give sure. or take, right? 
more witnesses than usual. Again, all female. Yep. Right. Yeah. That's that's creepy. Yeah. As like, uh, it literally lines up with that those original accounts of this gurning man. It's gurning man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Right. This. This whole thing I find just so off-putting because I'm like, part of my brain is going like, is this like, are these like failed attempts by a serial killer that was never caught? You know what I mean? That's a good question. Right. I I question that exact same thing. You know, I I thought the same thing. Like, what if this is like, at the time, they didn't know, but what if this is actually some notorious serial killer maybe even started with like this you know like these types of acts or was this a copycat yeah i wonder if like i'd be interested to go back and look at like cold case murders from this area in the 70s to see if they're like you know women yeah I like, yeah, oh, I mean I I think that would be worth like worth checking out. Yeah. That's interesting. Cuz like it's definitely, I mean obviously it's predatory behavior. Extremely. Right. Right. Yeah. So like and the fact that it's only women who are seeing him, maybe a person could be slick enough to like to do this vanishing act, right? To like Right. Get away just in time to hide behind something it doesn't seem like a person would be able to hide behind. You know what I mean? Like, stranger things have happened. Yeah. Um, Especially at night, especially a lot of the people had been drinking. Like, it just seems serial serial killery to me. It really does. And there's... Like, it was just some creep out hunting women. There's... And there's a motive there for sure yeah. without a doubt like and there there's because there's a pattern right there's obviously yeah. a pattern yeah i mean consistent victimology just like a serial killer right like not trying a serial to get rapist. too true crime here <laughs> yeah <laughs> right? i mean but, but it's still it's a possibility yeah, there right it, it is like, it is it really is and it doesn't you know it doesn't necessarily have to even be a serial killer like a like serial stalker or a serial rapist or like you know all these predatory actions it it just reeks of that yeah i agree occasionally turning up in women's bedrooms yeah in the middle of the night you know like but we go back to the fact that this thing was able to disappear without a trace right yeah like what how can we explain that right that's what this all boils down to i think this is why to me this isn't true crime yeah we're dealing with something completely different all right so i want to get into what or who is the gurning man of glasgow or scotland scotland's gurning man uh so first of all gurning in scotland means someone who's complaining or crying right in english the english translate translation uh most specifically you know european translation uh roughly translates to to make a grotesque face or contort a face into a weird expression 
which both actually line up with this particular thing. You know, yeah. someone who's complaining or crying, we 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 focus on the writhing, right? Like that, like yep. that weird, like you know, obviously they're they're acting like they're in pain. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, before getting into like you know theories and stuff, like possibly someone like trying to express the fact that they are in pain, right? Who knows? Sure. But then also the English translation, the making grotesque face and all of these incidents, they talk about this contorted face. Yep. This almost like sinister, demonic, like looking, uh, you know, thing. Right. Yeah. So additionally, um, you know, there, there are a lot of theories that really come, come about here. Um, you know, so first of all, we'll just talk about the obviously the elephant in the room, like the main thing that a lot of people are going to consider is he was basically just a man from Glasgow under the influence of alcohol or drugs, maybe mixed, right? Sure. Most likely mixed, um, which caused basically his irrational, like irrational and erratic behavior. Um, you know, because he never actually physically attacked anyone. So no. keep that in mind. Never physically attacked anyone. Um, and it's very common to see the occasional drunk, like I said, pissed, like bluttered man, like on the road, um, yep. like on the street, like walking home from the pub or whatever else. So it was very, it was very, it's still a very common practice. Um, yeah. you know, late at night after basically a long night of drinking. Additionally, you know, like we have to consider the fact that he disappeared though without a trace. Uh, which yeah. makes that whole like that whole explanation more difficult to explain. Like how, how, why? Yeah. You know, like I mean, my thing is because like earlier I said maybe someone really slick could get away with pulling that on people, but like that flies in the face of him being like wildly drunk. You know what I mean? How right. much harder would it be to pull that disappearing act if you were so trashed you weren't in control of yourself? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, it, it, everyone knows at least someone that has had one of those types of nights. Yeah. Whether it's yourself, a friend, a family relative, like anyone yep. that's just gotten so pissed drunk that they've been literally right out of it and, like, it's just yep. acted belligerent. Uh, sure. you know, like, yeah, it just it's it's it happens. Let's just say it happens, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, it happens to the best of us, <laughs> yeah. It's fairly common for someone, you know, on after like a, a bachelor party to carry their friend home, you know what I mean? Like, oh, buddy, it's yeah, a, it's a normal thing. I know all about that yeah. for sure, yeah. You know, so we've all, yeah, we've all seen that exactly. So but would yeah, a person if you picture if you picture a person like that that had to be carried home, you don't think of them as like being able to flip a switch into cat burglar mode and like slide behind <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Or, you know, going back to uh going back to our, our story, um, you know, about basically slipping under doors or you know, yeah, between like, you know, like areas in the frame and stuff like that. Like, no. You, you can't do that. Like, no normal yeah. person can do something like that. Like, that just, that doesn't happen, right? Yeah. See, that's why, to me, 
if it is a person, it feels more intentional. It feels more like the weird act is more of an act. Yeah. I, if it was a person, I don't think it, that he was acting that way because he was drunk. I think like probably putting on a weird, creepy show for the maybe right. for the women. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. If maybe just to like terrify them, maybe he got off on like terrifying women. Maybe. You know? I mean. So he did all this creepy shit. Or I don't know. It's hard to rationalize, you know, a demented mind like that. But like maybe trying to impress them in some weird way. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, you know, which that in itself is extremely creepy. Yes. Like, you know, like even imagining somebody that can just get off by like tormenting young girls or, you know, like that. Yeah. That's messed up. Um, yeah. But the next thing I want to dive into is the fact that a lot of people focus on the sleep paralysis end of this, especially when it came into the homes. Now, First of all, just to note, that doesn't change what happened for the, the seventeen or the eleven encounters that happen encounters that happened in the streets, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but the six encounters that happened at home, a lot of people chalk that up to sleep paralysis. Yeah, which I, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I find like the validity of that, like, and you know, and I can definitely understand, like, you know, the meaning, like whatever behind it right but yeah. to me it still doesn't doesn't completely add up i don't know it's hard to argue with that rationale like they specifically talk about not being able to move right they're like experiencing things no one else in the room is experiencing the home encounters to me feel like sleep paralysis it's see but and the thing is like how how much was this being talked about as it was going on that yeah i get i guess i guess that's true right you know that's a big question that is yeah because my 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 kind of counter to that was going to be like how are these people explaining the exact same type of situations right when it's happening in the home like you know yeah but if you know if these women had heard even vague descriptions of what these women other women were seeing in the streets and then they, you know, go to bed and they have a nightmare. They get sleep paralysis. They see this version. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, like, that makes sense. Especially like, I mean, imagine especially if, if there were a lot of like talk at that point, people like talking of these things happening and stuff like that. Imagine like it's easy to dream of things that like you discuss in a normal like conversation. Yeah. And Especially for things them to that happen. freak you out, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I I do see that. I do see that. That's you know, that's all well and good, but I still and don't, I don't buy that as much. I, uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with this area, but you described it to me as basically like one road. With some like neighborhoods around it. Yeah, I mean it's right? it's basically it's a pretty just, small community. It's, it's kind of a smaller area of Glasgow, right? Um, yeah. You know, like they have like they have a 
you know a couple pubs like they have a train station and you know things like yeah. that right so i mean yeah it is a smaller area so i'm thinking like a tight community if this shit is happening people are probably hearing about it you know what i mean right it, that makes it more likely to me that like that these women had heard about what was going that's on that's true and i mean also this is in the 70s right this is before yeah. the internet like this is right. before like all you know like it was like you could go on google and just search like weird shit right. that's happening um you know back it then was, it would have just been kitchen table talk exactly like right? this is all word of mouth yeah. like you hear so and so saw this whole thing yeah sure yeah except they don't talk like that there but doesn't matter <laughs> um <Yeah>. you know like <laughs> We are American, so small town, (laughs) small town gets a southern accent, (laughs) right? Yeah, Yeah. I'm sorry, (laughs) Uh, but regardless, right? Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense to me with the with the the accounts from in people's homes. Yeah, Um, but like you said originally, that doesn't that doesn't account for what people saw in the streets. I agree. See, that's yeah. that's my problem is there were like the people that saw these things saw this gurning man and the streets literally all explained it and recounted it the exact same way. Yeah, yeah. And, and even even in the just the few encounters that we've discussed. There were very like very common characteristics of this of this man, this thing, right? Yeah. It's, Black leotard, weird face, rubbing right. itself. <laughs> black leotard, yeah. dressed in black, whatever, same thing. Yeah. Um, I would like to think that he's always in a black leotard, though. Me too. Why not? Me too. Yeah. Like, I see this guy as a dancing queen. I really do. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm picturing, I can't help but keep, to, but to continue picturing Larry David dressed like the Nightman. <laughs> That's, Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that one. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Oh man! If you're not familiar, just watch "It's Always Sunny." Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Dude, that's what agreed. this community needed. They needed a a day man <laughs> to combat right, this yeah. evil, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, no, it. Like that's that's just you know like that's the thing. I mean, the other thing about sleep paralysis though is it does cause hallucinations. Like that's a very yeah, common absolutely. like side effect, right? Um, yep. But again, going back to that that inconsistency thing, where it's like still they saw this thing as it disappeared, right? Yeah, which is what as we're talking about the people that saw it in the streets all like recounted as well. Does this thing disappear without a trace? See, that's the thing, though, is with sleep paralysis, it often happens that right at the same moment that you regain control of your body, the entity that you're perceiving vanishes. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like, yeah. So, like, I the only thing that really freaks me, like, puts it off to me is the scream. Yeah, because sleep paralysis does not usually involve auditory hallucinations. Right. Yeah. No. And, and this thing was inches from her face in that last story, right? So yeah, we have Lorna that's literally sitting up in bed. She had she had worked her way up to look over yeah. the edge of the bed, and and this thing like towers over her, 
coming inches within her face and screams, you know, it's blood curdling, like piercing yeah. scream that echoes throughout the home, but yet no one else can hear it, but her. Yeah. And that's what kind of knocks her out of the paralysis, right? right? The scream. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know, man. That's I don't know. That's that other little tidbit that, you know, continues to make me think otherwise. Right. So aside from the kind of sleep paralysis and like that aspect or that kind of theory of things, um, are we going to get weirder now? (laughs) We're going to get a little bit more weird. So there's actually a couple things. First of all, some people have said. What if this is an alien? Sure. You know, which, yeah, why not? Like that. Yeah, that would make sense, too. That would explain a lot. Um, you know, I I don't have a whole lot to back to back like the <laughs> yeah. alien theory, but like sounds good enough. I mean, people tend to say alien anytime something's weird, right? Like somebody's going to say this is an alien. It feels way too predatory to fit into like the mo- most alien encounters. You know what I mean? Like there isn't any direct communication. There's it's just there's just this kind of weird display that it puts on. Right. Yeah. You know. It doesn't yeah. feel alien to I, me personally. You know, honestly agreed, agreed. So, let's skip the alien aspect. There's another big one though. That a lot of people okay. believe that the Gurning Man was basically a ghost, which is what we briefly kind of brushed on, right? Sure. Um, and some some people think that like he's basically the soul of a man who once lived in the area, and that uh, maybe there was something that disturbed him, like in the seventies, maybe a building being constructed or torn down or something like that that disturbed him. Okay, and that possibly could have happened again in 2017 okay you know which we we've we've all heard stories like you know a family moves into the home into a new home and starts renovating and all of a sudden weird shit starts to happen right um like or a new home is built on this old land and you know yeah the same right um so which that to me like that actually holds up. That holds up yeah. a bit. There there are some things that make me feel like that's not the case, but it I mean was could this have possibly been, you know, cuz a, a lot of times when there's a haunting or a supposed haunting in an area, they'll there's a story, a backstory right, of, of like course, yeah. well this this guy, it's the ghost of this fellow who lived here. Jim John you know Jones I mean? like, that lived there in the 1940s and Yeah, yeah. His family was you know, massacred like massacred by, you know, yeah. Al Capone Ninjas. or something, whatever. Um, <laughs> Timing, you know. <laughs> I don't think that quite adds up, but still doesn't matter. <laughs> Ninjas are just as likely to be in the UK in the 40s as Al Capone. (laughs) (laughs) Pablo Escobar, maybe? I don't know. Doesn't matter. No, but like, because when you said maybe this was the spirit of a man, the first, my first thought was, is it the spirit of like a serial killer? Like, it just feels so predatory to me. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. It's very specific, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he may not have even been a serial killer, but maybe, like, just a predator, right? Yeah, maybe just a fucking creep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, that would explain a, a whole lot. Sure. Um, it just feels too detached to me to be a, a haunting does. type situation. I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. That's, you know, that's the only thing is there's a lot that really makes sense. Like, and if I like yeah. think about it and like kind of piece together all the, all the shit that we know about like paranormal and ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists and things like that, like, you know, like you, there's a lot that does add up, but at the same time, yeah. There are a lot of like loose threads there that like really just you know the seams start to come detached here. Yeah, I mean, to me it feels like a square peg that can technically be crammed into a round hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like if you really try to make it work, you can make it work. But my gut feeling is that it, that's not the case. Yes, I agree with you. Um, yeah, again. As much as I like that theory, there are a couple others I like a little bit more. Okay. So let's talk about this. Now, we talked about this thing preying off the fear and the vulnerability of these young women, right? Yeah. Let's get into skinwalkers. Okay. This is another kind of far-fetched, but maybe not, theory. Dude, we're here for the far-fetched. Exactly. So we all Bring know it. we all know skinwalkers as you know shape changers. Um yeah. these things that do prey on fear. They feed off yeah. of it. It energizes them. Yeah. You know? These things that just noticed us because we're talking about them. Exactly. Yeah. Alright. So you have this thing, this guy, this thing out here preying on these young women putting itself on display making sure that it is recognized and yeah. see like just fully seen like making sure that you are aware he is there it is there and then making itself as terrorizing as possible without ever actually coming in physical contact exactly feeding yeah. off of that fear it's giving it that energy, that like that drive that it needs to become full, real, yeah, like actualized in oh, a sense, man. right? Could we be talking about the Glasgow Skinwalker? I dig this. I I dig Ugh. this theory so much. <laughs> See, that's the thing is like it's awesome, right? People think of the Skinwalker as like the Navajo legend, right? And they think like, well, this is only a thing in the you know, in the Southwest Not at all. of the United States. But like the Skinwalker legend could be describing a thing that's ubiquitous. That's all over the place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this idea of this like fear eater, this like being that feeds off the fear of, of people. That's a thing that's described across cultures all over the world. It's been described throughout history in some form or another. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why I really dig this one because like this to me is one of the ones that makes the absolute most sense. Yeah, whether you call it a skinwalker or a demon or a 
Yeah. You know, uh, Jen. Yeah. Exactly. Or all the, the you know, hundreds of different yeah. names that are the same thing. Right. It It is. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, that to me is, it's terrifying, but yeah. it's so cool. Like that. I yeah. think that's one of the most awesome possible, like possible theories regarding this. I kind of really love that because my first thought was like an interdimensional being that fed off the fear of, of people and like, yeah, I mean, that's the way I've always thought of skinwalkers. You know what I mean? Like, obviously there's like a more physical idea of these things, but I think it's probably something that moves between planes. Okay. So let's talk about a little bit more. Yeah. It's also theorized that this is multidimensional. Right. Basically, uh, being, being able to slip through dimensions and alternate realities, essentially, which would explain why he's able to slip away in an instant, literally in the blink of an eye. And a lot of people think think that he's navigating through these different slips in time. Yeah. Which also leads to some people believe he's a time hopper. Okay. Um, I, I could see that. Right. Yeah. Maybe those see, 2017 incidents happened at the exact same time. Yeah. You know? That this thing was slipping between... Maybe there will be another series of encounters in 2035. You know what I mean? That like the same, it's just like a a quick pattern for this being who's traveling, just stepping from time to time. Exactly. Cause I mean, we, we haven't gotten there yet, but yeah. Yeah. Like maybe it's this thing where it's able to like go through like almost 40 years and time, like space. Um, you know, who knows? Whatever. Which is, I mean, that's kind of cool. I like that aspect. Yeah, I always, I always like talking about time yeah, travel. Exactly, same. So, and like multi dimensions yeah. and things like that. I, I really dig. Yeah. I mean, if you take the the skinwalker concept and the interdimensional concept and smash them together, that feels so right to me. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it really does. That's literally perfect, right there. Yeah. Now I'm gonna. I think I'm about to blow your mind on one of the last possible theories. I don't think it's anything you've considered yet. Okay. A vampire. Oh, a vampire. Hmm. Right. So think of, so uh, Glasgow, first of all, is known, uh, well known for uh, a vampire that, literally like haunted the city streets i think it was like in the 50s uh um, isn't there like a cre- i'm i'm vaguely i'm like vaguely remembering a scottish story about a vampire with like metal teeth yes and then the right? like 200 children that chased him down yeah. with like knives and forks and, and all that and shit stuff. yeah yeah and like hunting a vampire children mind you yeah it's one of the most the coolest stories that I've ever read, and it's so those are some hard ass kids. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. Like, That's post World War II children, yeah, right there. Exactly. Like it was. <laughs> yeah. It's 
I, we may have to do just another story where we talk about that alone, but it's like such a cool story. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, vampires are are a big part of Scottish lore. So yeah. possible. Yeah. It would explain it's like writhing and like weird unnatural behavior. Yeah. Um but I mean it, but it never real it never came in contact with anyone, which is I think I'm about to blow your mind back. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. What if the concept of a vampire and the the concept that we're calling a skinwalker are the same thing? Are one and the same? Yes. Yeah. See that, what if that like, right there. There we go. Yeah. There we go. I love what it. What if like yeah. the feeding, the feeding that a vampire supposedly does, maybe that's psychical. Maybe it's not necessarily so, dude, drinking blood. I've never, I've never thought of, I mean, because... We, you know, like we, we have a traditional sense of vampirism, right? Like, yeah, you know, like bloodthirsty, like whatever. But what if it's not even that? Like, what, what if there's multiple different, you know, maybe types? Yeah. Um, and there are types that are psychological. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a whole. Well, all right. Yeah. I mean, when you look at like modern, the modern vampire culture, when you go down to like New Orleans and, you know, that's like a hotbed for it. But like they, they usually, most of the people who participate in that culture today, they either identify as uh, sanguinarian okay, vampires right. who actually like drink the blood. Yep. And then there are energy vampires, right? Who like that gets into more like sex magic and stuff like that but like they get their they feed off the energy of others so like maybe that's like maybe that's like a an extension or an interpretation of this concept of like a psychic vampire that feeds off the fear of of the victim i love right? that concept i i dig yeah. that actually that's that's awesome all right Cause that that like makes me kind of approach like that whole concept in a way different way than I've ever thought of it before. Yeah, it gives you a new context for it. Really? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that. I I think we've just formed a theory that's gonna be still <laughs> <think> like so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> now there's a couple other things. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's hear them before before we wrap up because I know we're getting close. But this has also been tied into Indrid Cold. Okay, I don't know if you even, if you considered that as we were going through this. No, I I hadn't. So for our listeners, we've discussed Indrid Cold on many occasion, uh, which sure. we will eventually deep dive into because it's a whole topic in itself. Yeah, I feel like Injured Cold will will even get its its own separate episode from Mothman. Like a lot of people put those two things together, but I think Injured Cold deserves a story oh, of yeah. its own. Without a doubt, I you agree. Know? Yep. Yeah. So a slight like just touch on the subject. Injured Cold is often referred to as the grinning man, right? Um extraterrestrial is most often as what is what he seemed to be. 
And again, we'll discuss that as we go further. Um, but, you know, just know... From Lanulos. Exactly. No, like, know that this is, you know, this is kind of what we're briefly touching on, right? So, yeah, yeah. in this case, you have this man with this contorted face, his gurning face, um, but also smiles maniacally. Yeah. You know... This is why it's so often referred to or seen as like, you know, what if this is Endred Cole making his presence? Sure. Um, you know, so I that I don't buy into because no. I I really dig like the story of Endred Cold and a lot of the stuff that obviously we've uncovered and the stuff that uh, you know, obviously like from the Hellier doc, of course. Oh um, yeah, yeah have have uncovered about Indrid Cold. Like, it tells us a lot more. Yeah. Um, the thing is, like, the Mothman stuff went down in, what, 66? I think. And, like, Indrid Cold was right there. So this would have been, like, a little over a decade after yeah. that. But according to some certain people, interactions with Indrid Cold went on for a very long time. Like, post-Mothman. Yeah. That's, you know... Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, suspend disbelief and assume that Indrid Cold was, like, this real entity that was around, he would have been around. I mean, I know it's a totally different area, but for someone who, like, you know, can blink into reality and blink back out of it. Yeah. I mean, if going you, from, if you consider him being extraterrestrial, multidimensional, ultra-terrestrial, yeah. if you will. Um, yeah, which Keel did. John Keel thought of him as an ultra terrestrial. Uh, right. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. to me, I think like as much as I hate getting into the ultra terrestrial argument and like that that headspace, I uh-huh. I think I, that's what I would most likely buy into. You know. Yeah. Um. You know. So it's possible in this case. Um. But like he also wasn't as sinister in nature as this has made itself out to be. That's true. He had some pretty positive interactions with a lot oh, of people. Right. If exactly. you read like if you read like the Woody Derenberger stuff, like it was very positive. So that doesn't feel like exactly. this. Yeah, that's that's where I have to, you know, say like Yeah, I I don't I don't agree with that, you know, that assumption, but you know Take it for what it yeah. is. Like, that's another possible theory. Um, for sure. Now, we get to the... Do we do we buy into this story? Do we buy its authenticity? What do we think it is and why? Okay. So where, where are you at? First off, I totally buy it. Okay. I think... Um, I think the encounters that happened in the home feel they feel like um sleep paralysis. A lot of them feel like sleep paralysis to I me. I agree with that. Yeah. As much as I don't but, want to, but they they do. They definitely do. When you Okay, so these entities that we've been t- discussing, skinwalkers, vampires, Whatever this idea of this being, this interdimensional being that feeds off the fear of of people. If you think of it like 
Pennywise from It. Yeah. From Stephen of King's course. It. Right? That's basically what Pennywise was. Was based on this concept. So, I'm thinking small town. All it takes is one person for this image to be, like, their... Okay, let me let me backtrack a little. I'm a person who believes that these experiences are at least 50% the perception of the experiencer. Right? I think that has a huge impact on the on the experience. Yeah. Um so all it would take in this small town is for one person to think of this image, this gurning man as their like their deepest fear. Right? And then they have the experience with this skinwalker. We'll just use skinwalker as shorthand for yeah. you know for this of being. Course. Um so it has this encounter. That's what it sees because that's what scares the shit out of them. Right? And they tell someone, that person tells someone else. This image starts terrifying women because it's like this predator that's out there looking for women. And it just gets scarier and scarier. It spreads wider and wider through this little community. And it, like, that. I think that's why they keep seeing the same image. Okay. Right? Because, I mean, that, like, being able to say, like, there is this thing out there preying on women... And, like, you know, whatever else, that in itself is scary enough. It's enough to yeah. stir up, you know, like, the community in that regard, yeah. right? And the who's to say that the spread of that fear through these small communities isn't also feeding it? That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing in, in It, right? Is that it, Pennywise comes back to um, Derry, the town... And it feeds off the fear of the entire town. If you also look at Pennywise, wouldn't Pennywise be considered considered basically a tulpa? Yes, exactly. I mean, the the yeah, they all are. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like yeah, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this entity that takes on whatever image terrifies the experiencer the most, so that it can suck up as much fear as possible. Right. Yeah. So that's what I think was going on. Okay. So you don't think it was anything, quote unquote, real or... I don't think it was material necessarily. Okay. All right. If it was, it was probably interdimensional. It was probably this, you know, this being that can take on the form, that takes on the form yeah. of whatever is going to get it the most... Fear juice. <laughs> fear juice. <laughs> yeah. Fear juice. You know, I, I honestly, I buy into the material. Like. Yeah? I, I kind of do. Like, I I love the the skinwalker aspect of it. And this is, like I said, that, that's my favorite, my favorite theory. And, you know, like, looking at it from that perspective, um also preying on the fear like the fear giving it that much energy like allowing it to materialize that much more and become something physical it just to me like that makes a lot of sense whether or not you know it's tulpa based or something like you know that is fashioned from like due to fear 
Yeah. I, I think that it, it allowed it project allowed it to project enough to materialize into something physical. See, that's I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Okay. I don't want to I don't want it to say that like I don't want it to feel like I'm saying it was all in their head. I like I I tend to lean toward the idea of like co-creation where there is a physical there is something that exists separate from the person. Okay. Yeah. Um but that that the image is created by both right. parties. Not saying it's something that because they believed it it made it a thing. No. It's because partially because they believed in it that right. it gave it that energy that it actually materialized into a physical yep. being. Yep. Whether, the same way when we talked about um, the story of the, the woman who was trying to create a tulpa of her son that had died. Yeah. yeah. You remember? Where she sent and the like, letter because, and she had been dead for what? Yep. Like five years, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like because the tulpa is created off of negative energy, it takes on this like darker agreed tone. Yes. Right. Yeah. Now there's, so I think some of that was going on here too. There is also a fraction of me, not even a fraction. I'm going to say like a whole damn self of me that really okay. wants this to be like some vampire, like mixture of skinwalker thing. Because now like that's in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like maybe I mean, that's it's that actually. <laughs> that's kind I mean, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Right? Yeah, like I, I this, love that. I love that concept. Yeah. yeah. Now, the only little last tidbit of information I'm going to leave you with is that despite there were 17 reported incidents, no information regarding any of the names of the women were ever found. The names in the story okay. were strictly for entertainment purposes. Okay. Nor, I guess, additionally. No police records of any of the encounters have been able to be found since. Okay. Which bears the question. Could that information have been lost or covered up? Because again, on numerous occasions, the police were involved. But no news, uh, news articles or anything were also ever, ever able to be uncovered as well. So could this whole thing, could the information have been lost or covered up, or could this whole damn thing be an urban legend? There you go. I'm going to leave you with that. All right. And that concludes episode 56, The Gurning Man of Scotland. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. 
It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.